ourselves and try not to be too stunned. But we're back with season three of the podcast, and we're pretty excited to get going and talk about books and who knows what else. Because I'm sure we'll find something. Else I would to say talk about. that staying on topic is not a super high priority for me um, in life in general. Yeah, I mean. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. <laughs> I'm not saying that staying on topic. No, I mean, I think it, it does it does demonstrate a level of discipline that I don't have. That I think would be the the way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> so, and um, we hopefully we'll have some guests and stuff this season, or maybe not. Maybe no one wants to talk to us anymore. Yeah, we're it's just, been a while. We're so that. cantankerous and unpleasant. Yeah. Um, but. This time we wanted to talk, revisit the idea of um, fictional families. And I have a lot of thoughts on this, actually. Yes. I just had another thought that I wanted to share. Um, <laughs> and, and just, um, and and talk a little bit about that. Because I know we've both done um, quite a bit of reading and watching and lately of, because I have two TV shows I want to talk about, too, related to I that subject. I think I have a couple that I want to talk about. And um, and sort of discuss some of the elements in particular that we find often problematic, I'd say, in yeah. the way family dynamics are portrayed. And not just problematic, but in a lot of ways, inauthentic. Yes. I think that's the... Because it's just... And that's, that's a sticky thing, because I think there are people out there who have sort of perfect families, but... Um, I don't, that's not a, a context I understand. Um, so I, I realize for every sort of yeah, criticism I really of, to that. I know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say that, um, because I know there are people who just have beautiful, wonderful, perfect families, but I don't think that's necessarily the norm, and, but I think what we see oftentimes in fictional portrayals, particularly, you know, when there is conflict by the time the story is over, things are basically perfect. And that's not generally how things shake out in real life. Yeah, that's it's not a lot really harder. how it really works out. And it's honestly, it's fictional. In, yeah. Like, in fiction, like, it's also kind of a boring story. It's just like, oh, we hug it out. Yeah. It's like, no, like, a really satisfying yeah, resolution. I mean, and there are exceptions to that. But I feel like, I, I guess my big issue is that when you see families deserving of, you know, being cut off from another, like, let's say these two people in a family don't get along and one of them cuts the other off. A lot of times it, in a book, the only thing that would make that okay is if the offending family member had abused somebody or like murdered someone murdered or molested somebody or something like that um but there's a lot of toxicity in a lot of family relationships that is not necessarily abusive but but it's very unhealthy it's really unhealthy and it's not something that you would tolerate in another relationship you know you can you can get divorced you can yeah, you can dump, up you can your, dump your girlfriend, you can, you can stop being split with your friend. With somebody. But for some reason, this tie of blood makes people think that they need to continue with these relationships. And it makes other people think that they need to continue with these relationships, too. Because I find that other people get very judgmental about well, this sort of thing. Well, and if we're going to talk specifically about, like, 
with YA novels, yes. I feel like there's actually messaging that is intentionally happening in a lot of those narratives that yeah. say you should forgive your parents. Like, it's almost where the, the hand of the author reaches in and says to their audience, you know, it is your job as the kid to forgive your parents and yeah. to accept what they've done wrong. But that's something that you um, see in real it life, It bothers too. me. And yeah. you see it in real life, too. All of, like, those lists of people like, oh, things that you should do before you turn 50, and they all, like, almost all of them will have, be like, like you forgive need to forgive your parents. your parents. And I'm just like, okay, well, if you're still mad at your mom for grounding you when you were 15, then yes, maybe yes. you Let should go forgive of that. your mother. But, I mean, if... Your mom has been a manipulative narcissist your whole life. Then maybe that's unforgivable. Yeah, and it, you know, has just kind of reached a point where you can't deal with it anymore. Then maybe you don't have to forgive that person, and that's okay. Yeah, know? it's it's an interest, but it's so interesting that there is this like sort of model that people are supposed to follow, and I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by that point of view. I yeah, guess. and I often find that in YA, and I'm not trying to say that this as a negative thing, but I feel like oftentimes it's the, the conflict a lot of times is because the kid is a teenager who's being a difficult teenager who doesn't understand where the adults are coming from, you know? And so as the child matures, by the end of the novel, they've learned where the other person is coming from. They've learned that the world isn't just about them their and their issues that issues they need to have empathy for their parents. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there are valid reasons for not liking your family. Yeah, they I... really are. Well, one of the... Derek are hiatus. Doesn't that sound fancy? <laughs> I used that term in an email recently. <laughs> During our hiatus, um... I read a ton. I've read, I've read this year. I've read like 78 books this year. That's a lot. Well, some of them are comic books. Yeah. But I but think that's they, still a lot. But that still takes time. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but like I've been sort of voraciously reading because I don't know why. There's not much good on TV this year. I mean, that's sort of I think. What about Family here. Feud? Obviously Family Feud. Speaking of families. <laughs> You people don't watch Family Feud, hosted by the one and only Steve Harvey. Yeah. And, like, honestly, it's totally sexist. It's totally ridiculous. I know. It doesn't matter. The survey questions questions are are so sexist. But none of that matters. Because it's also (laughs) perfection. It is the funniest thing on television. It is the only thing I watch where I am, like, dying laughing. Yeah, and did you guys know that the announcer is a former NSYNC member? Joey Fatone. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like there's not enough Joey Fatone on that show, actually. I wish they, like, zoomed into Joey Fatone yeah, doing really the announcement. Yeah, they really should. And, like, Steve should, when he comes bopping like, out. He should run out and, like, fist like, bump hey, with Joey. Joey. Yeah. You know? I feel like that should happen. But, anyway. It's, He's done really well for himself. Yeah, this kind of gig. Yeah, I, I mean, he has a lot of regular gigs, like Family Feud and... Yeah, I think he's got good work-life balance, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, you should watch Family Feud, because it's amazing. Um, and, anyway, but I, I read a ton of stuff, so much stuff, and so I read... I've been trying to read a lot of people who I've meant to read that just never got around to, mm-hmm. and... Um, 
I'd never read any of Cassie West's books, and I think she's one of those people who, some of those authors is pretty popular, and she's, I can see why, because she writes these very nicely paced sort of, I mean, they're, like, the pacing is just really good. Like, I know yeah. that sounds like a weird, like, kind of a, like, crappy compliment, but she just, things move along at this nice clip, nothing lags, but it doesn't feel like you're sort of, you know, missing things either. She tells a really nice, tight story. Um, but I read two of her books, On the Fence, and, um, oh gosh, The Distance Between Us. And they both had similar issues that I had problems with, as much as I enjoyed some of the story, but in particular, Distance Between Us. Guys, this is a spoiler. I'm going to spoil this book for you a little bit. I, 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 I am. Like, I apologize. I, I always feel bad, because I, but I'm warning you, so if... You know, you don't want to be spoiled. I will put in a thing that tells you how fast to fast forward. So in this book, the um, one of the characters, the main character is very poor. Um, she lives in an apartment above the store that her mom owns. And her mom put, like, basically all of her money that she had, which wasn't very much, into opening a doll store. Which sounds really weird and creepy because dolls are terrifying. But um, there's a whole story behind these dolls. Anyway, these sort of special dolls. And um, they've just really never had anything like it's been really hard Jackson does a really good job of portraying how much it sucks to sort of grow up in like a family business that's failing yeah like she's that is really well done um and she has no relationship with any of her family she doesn't have a relationship with her father she doesn't have a relationship with her mother's family um it's all very like there's nothing there's she has no connection to anyone and her mom um basically tells her that there's she has no family yeah and at the end of the book, um, what she discovers is that um, her mom has lied to her about her entire background for her whole life. Because her mom didn't... Oh. Yeah. Her mom didn't want to deal with it, basically. So, yes, she does have family. Um, and she has grandparents who very much actually wanted to know her. And so there's... All this stuff. I mean, like, that's, like, a big freaking deal. Like, yeah. Especially if you're, like, 17 years old and your mom, and you find out, like, your mom has been has basically constructed it this entire life. And that her grandparents very well could have helped them also yeah. during some of the times when things were really just terrible for them. Um, and basically, at the end of the book, the daughter's, like, understands why her mom did that, and they hug it out. Oh. And it's like, and like, I'm not saying that the mother, that the daughter couldn't have forgiven the mother eventually, but like, the resolution on the page was so unfathomable in like the context of the real world. Like, she didn't really go through any processing of like anger and like betrayal and like sort of the normal, healthy kind of psychological things that yeah. we go through from discovering like the entire narrative they've been told their entire life was a lie. And that their mother was the one who perpetuated this lie. And it's like, it was so, like, I literally, like, I remember enjoying the book and then getting to that part and being like, I cannot remember anything about that book except for that thing. Because I was just so horrified at the way it was resolved. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was me, um, because all the reviews of that book were like, it's so sweet, it's so wonderful. But I was talking to Nafisa, who um, writes for the Book Wars, and... She does a graphic monologue for her two blogs, and she's great, and she's one of my favorite bloggers. And um, she had read the book about the same time and had the same reaction. And um, she had pointed me towards this book that I've just spaced on the name of it, but it's actually a, an academic book about um, 
children's literature as literature mm-hmm. and the way adults inject themselves into the narr- into their sort of values and their teaching yeah. into is so common in children's literature that it's where it suddenly goes away from being the story of the characters and a story for a story for the young people to experience and being something like, okay, now I'm the adult and I'm telling you how you should feel. And that's re- she said it's very common in parent relationship in literature for young people to have these sort of big breaks where the narrative sort of steps away from being like a story into being a the adult author coming in and saying like, now this is how you should feel about your parents. Yeah. And then it's like over the history of literature yeah, for young I people. Could see that. This is something that's like over and over and over again. Yeah. And she said when she read that book, that was, you know, that was the thing that was like, oh, this is sort of in this tradition of children are not supposed to be angry at their parents. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, like, I think it's interesting too. And I feel like oftentimes there's also this narrative of your parents took care of you, they raised you, and, you know, like, so, you know, you gotta let it go yeah. when they do things that annoy you, because they did all these things for you, they and wanted, I'm yeah. like, I'm just at this point in my life, I'm just like, well, you know what, they brought you into this world, this is part of their contract not really a contract you but know it's what like I mean, an unsta- it's this an, it's is just uns- what you do yeah. when you bring a child into this world this you do sort of sign up for owe you anything <laughs> when you you decided to bring this child into this world you know they and didn't really have a say in the matter <laughs> yeah and there was a former football player i can't remember his name right now but there was uh an article about him on yahoo sports recently and he wrote a book, and it basically was talking about his experience. A lot of football, a lot of athletes, professional athletes go through this. And it might be a little bit better for them with direct deposit now, like rather than back in the 80s when they got handed a paper check and their families and their friends knew it was payday, they would literally be waiting by their car. I have heard about this. I might have read yeah, the same story. Yeah, they would story. be waiting yeah. for their, these people to walk for out their with their paycheck part. for their little share because this family member is rich and they want yeah uh, like i read it, this you know? story that was so yeah and uh well they had a documentary on espn called broke that was really good too yeah. i highly recommend and that it documentary kind of dealt with how professional because so many professional athletes go bankrupt not long after they right. retired and everybody is just like, how does this happen? Of all because these all of these people. people like start leeching off of them. And so this football player was talking in his book about how his mom was talking about how he owed her all of these things. And he's like, well, you know, you you brought me into this world. It's just what you do when you have a child. You know what I mean? And he's like, and and, and it's not that he was unwilling to help her. But, you know, I think it's really weird when, you know, a child grows up and there's this, these people try to force these things on you. When, like, a child has grown up and has earned their own way and earned their own success and when other people try to take that from them. Um, and quite literally. When quite the literally, in the yeah. And mo- taking your money away from them, you're trying to take some of their success away from them. Um, that documentary broke is really worth watching. 
Like, yeah. It, it, for a number of reasons, but just the, the sort of obligations a lot of people felt, feel, it's really interesting and revealing. And Yeah. And the, the things that people do to make them feel obligated. These people are very manipulative. And they lie. They're like, oh, I, I'm really on hard times and I really need money to get my car fixed so I can get to work. And then, so this person gives them the money and the person never gets their car fixed. They just wanted the money. And then, so finally, if the person, the richer, the rich, successful person decides that they're going to just be like, well, I'll just write you a check to the repair person mm-hmm. directly. And then they freak And then out. all these piece of people, they like, oh, disappear. Yeah. Because it's like the person isn't of use to them anymore. Yeah. Um, it's really fucked up. <laughs> it is. It really is. I, uh, so I'm really, I watched all of Bloodline, which I can't mm-hmm. stop talking about. I think I'm driving everyone crazy about it. I have not watched that. It's so good. Um, but they do such a good job of, like, exploring that, like, tension between the obligation people feel to their families mm-hmm. and, like, the toxicity of some of those family relationships. Yeah. And that, like, rub in between, like, there's this family member that is so toxic and everything he touches turns to shit. Like, he's just one of those people. And there are people like that. And he's self-centered and he's toxic and he's horrible. And but he's also very manipulative and just smart enough to say the right thing to get what he wants out of people. Mm-hmm. And just the way this one person basically can destroy this whole family. But it's generally well-intended family that, like, they feel obligated to one another because they love each other and they live, you know, they all live in the same island. And it's, I mean, that show is really good for a number of reasons, but that thing that, that they did, I don't think I've seen that on TV, like, that really nails, like, a toxic family member and how they can sort of poison yeah. everything. If they're allowed, and they keep trying to get him to go away. Like, they try to give him money to go away. They just keep trying to get him to go away. And, like, it's just, they can't get him to go away. And it's because it's just, they know that he's just going to ruin everything. Yeah. And it's so interesting and so well done. And, like, this really, I, like, told someone I thought it was, like, a much more authentic portrayal of families than parenthood. And they looked horrified at me. <laughs> So, you know, I guess. <laughs> um, did you read Big Little Lies, Leanne Morgan? I am close to the end of it. I she, have about 10 chapters. She does left. some interesting things with family relations. In I her books so in general. Too. Yeah, I think in her books in general, yeah, because I've uh, read Three Wishes, um, and I'm almost done with Big Little Lies, and I'm also partway through. I'm partway through The Husband's Secret. Yeah, that one. That's really... That one... Messed up. Yeah. <laughs> that one is really messed up. I'm having to... Because I'm listening to it, and I'm having to listen to it in, like, little chunks. Yeah. Because I'm just like, this is intense. <laughs> no, that book is... She is a really on-point writer. She is. I, she you know, because... zeroes in on things and, like, just... She, like, jabs her finger yeah, she, like, these scratches at these cracks. Uncomfortable and... things that people don't want to admit that people feel. And the, people think and feel things that are not comfortable and, all yeah, the time. And she articulates that so yeah, brilliantly. And she just, like, sticks her finger in there and, you know... 
she's really good. Yeah, and it, it's uncomfortable, but she it, it's really good. And she really kind of balances that uncomfortable thing with a lot of wit. Yeah, she's funny, too. Yeah. So it's like she's kind of sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my... that Big Little Lies is such a long audiobook. It's really long, yeah. It's so long, that narrator is really good. Yeah. And, and she's funny at the funny parts. Um, but I just, yeah, that book, that book is messed up, too. <laughs> I did not expect sort of it to shake out the yeah. way it did. Like, I think all of her books in some ways are kind of like that, but um, I would say Three Wishes is probably a little bit more on the lighter side, but it still deals I haven't read with that a lot one of yet. pretty heavy issues, so. Yeah, I like what she does, though. She's very interesting in her. And we both read, um, we talked about everything I never told you on the podcast. Was that during our have. hiatus we read it? Yeah. Did we read that for book club? No. Or did I we just, both just read it? No, I just decided to read it. Because my mom it. read it, too. Yeah, I I heard it had good reviews, and I was really excited because I knew it was dealing with, you know, an Asian family, a, a mixed-race family in, like, the 70s and 80s, and so I was really excited to read it. And that book is very good. It is very good. And, I mean, there was, like, that one thing that was yeah. unnecessary. But it also, I mean, that was... You knew those kids were not, some of those kids were not going to forgive those parents. Like, it was pretty, (laughs) it was pretty obvious that that was where it was headed. Um, And not that they were bad people, but it was just. Yeah. But I I thought that. She put them on an interesting trajectory that felt really real. I think that book did a really good job of showing how intentions by parents. Even if they are good, good ones, intentions can be misinterpreted and and twisted, yeah. and really just become they can be damaging. Yeah, and I thought she did a really that's exactly I think you said it so much better than the way I was thinking it. Like because they did have good intentions, they meant well, they yeah. wanted the best, and it just it, just because they meant well didn't mean that it yeah. I, I don't think good intentions are enough to sustain a relationship long term. You know what I mean? Just any kind of relationship. It doesn't really have to be a blood one. It's just like a friendship or, you know, a romantic thing. So, But that book is really good because I think the way that she had... The way that you see so many different points of view, it's a third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow, but she, it's like a close third person. Yeah, like the way a very she, close one. Yeah. the way, like there's a lot. If you're interested in like sort of the craft of like constructing a story, like she does such interesting stuff with the way that story is like built and like the layers of it. Mm-hmm. That it's really impressive the way yeah. it kind of unfolded. Yeah, as you read it, because yeah. she was a very I mean, I can't, I feel like when I read it, I kind of kept feeling like I saw, you know, just, I just saw, the first time, I just saw, like, one side of the moon. And yeah, then, like, it was, like, know, pieces but then I kind of sort started, of you know, as the, And then I kind of just started going around the whole It's like she was, like, it's like she was, like, sphere, dropping, like, know? Tetris blocks. Yeah. It's like you started to see it. It was, 
Yeah, and then I'm you can really see how like the whole sphere got put together. I'm here, demonstrating so. the author dropping like Tetris blocks <laughs> into the book. <laughs> In case you were wondering. Because I'm sure that's exactly how writing works. You just drop blocks yeah. into <laughs> Um I um did you finish reading Liza Palmer's new book? No. Oh. Sorry. I have not. We can talk about Liza Palmer, though. She does a really she good job really with good families, job, yeah. too. I really, in her new book, she has, um, see, I won't spoil that book, because I love that book, so I won't spoil it. I have, <laughs> I have standards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she does some very interesting stuff with the parent-child relationship in that book. So. Oh, okay. And it, particularly in terms, because she also has the young, in that book, the main character, Anna, what's her name right? Crap, I hope I'm right. Has a um, younger brother. Who's a real screw up, and but is like actually like a pretty good soul, you know, just not good at life. Yeah. And they have a very like big personality, domineering, high achieving father, and yeah. that relationship not so much between her and her father, but between the father and the son who's a disappointment is very toxic, and it's really bad. Yeah. And it's one of those also sort of like uniquely like father son relationships that I think are can be very strange. Um and it's she does a really good job with that. I and mean, she always I should, I feel like kind of like I'm like like she's always good at what she does with yeah. families and just relationships in general and kind of getting at like the meat of those sorts of things. But there's a scene in that book that makes that just really nails the the way that I think with families is like with adult children in particular, yeah. the way those dynamics can sometimes stay, like they don't change as people grow older. Yeah. And at some point something needs to give where they yeah. change. And there's a I scene that, in that book where you can, where it changes and yeah. it's really important. I think and, that's one of the big things that is difficult for parents to deal with is, you know, because you have, thing that starts as a baby that you raise yeah. and you know like my older brother still calls me his baby sister even it's though at this point cute. in life <laughs> I am technically his peer right yes. and I think when you know children become adults it's a really difficult thing for parents to let go of the child that they had and view their child as an adult autonomous peer and I think that is you know the root of a lot of problems in families is that a lot of parents don't respect that of their children and I'm not saying that like it's all the parents no you know because there are, I think also like there are definitely adult toxic children, children as well you know yeah but, I mean I know many of them yeah um that's not bad so I had to know a lot of crappy people like, <laughs> I know a lot of people <laughs> but um it's a really uh it's it's interesting, like, like my mom and I, like, had a lot of conflicts, like, when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Where I, which is so weird, because, like, my mom and I get along so well. So people yeah. are always surprised when I say, like, and we got along when I was a kid, too. Yeah. But, like, when I was an adult, and, like, I think that was a kind of, like, our dynamic changing. A new adult, though. A new adult, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, oh, I've tried to read, like, all the new adult books, and I think I've only finished, like, one. <laughs> By the way, this is part of my, like, I want to figure out what the deal is. Like, I've just been... Dude, I don't know what is up with that genre. <laughs> <laughs> that 
And I try not to, like, do a broad, like... Yeah. But, like, the writing is not good for the most part. I don't understand uh. what's happening. Anyway, but when I was a new adult, that was something I think that was really hard for my mom and I. Yeah. Was that, like, I made decisions that were not necessarily, like, she didn't have input on. Yeah. And it was very hard for her, especially since I'm yeah. a only child. Um... So I did not celebrate National Siblings Day the other day when everyone was like <laughs> posting on Facebook about their siblings. That was so weird. You're still looking at I didn't on Facebook. even know that was going How on. How did you celebrate National Siblings Day? I don't know. <laughs> I mean I think I I think I texted my brother and my sister yesterday about different things. Well, you so. know, I hope you didn't hurt anyone's feelings by not celebrating National Siblings Day I appropriately. I don't remember them mentioning it either. Okay. So I think it's fine. Um anyway, but uh it was hard for my mom and I to sort of figure out how to be more like, I mean, she's my mom, but, like, to be more like peers. Like, yeah. you know, like, now I, like, do my mom's taxes for her. Yeah. And, like, in my 20s, no way would I, could I have done my mom's taxes. I know it's weird <laughs> I do my mom's taxes. Like, whenever I tell, but, like, trust me, you do not, no one wants my mom doing her own taxes. And she's not going to, if she is stubborn, she's not going to pay a professional to do her taxes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, me and H&R Block do my mom's taxes. So, <laughs> you know, but back then there's no way, like, she would have been okay with me taking on, like, sort of that yeah. kind of grown-up role in her life. So, anyway. It's a good thing my mom doesn't listen to the podcast because she can't figure out how to use iTunes. <laughs> you know, I talk about her all the time. <laughs> you talk about your mom a lot. Your mom and LeBron James. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My mom's really cool. She is really she's cool. A, you know, she's kind of cooler than I am. Like, I don't know if I agree with that part. I am not cool. You know me. If I'm cool, then you're cool. Okay, see that face you made was hilarious. I'm not particularly cool, guys. I promise you I'm not. <laughs> okay, we should describe oh, our yeah, t-shirts right now. Uh, okay, Laura is wearing a shirt that at first glance, I didn't even notice it. I thought it was like some cool, edgy tattoo shirt. <laughs> no, no, no. Laura has the world's foremost, I would say foremost collection of quirky t-shirts. Would you say? Uh, I think it's a good collection. I'd say it's, it can hold its own against pretty much any yes. quirky t-shirt collection. It's impressive. I have a shirt that says Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> the original deep fat fryer. <laughs> that was really good. I have a couple of really good ones. I have the hyperbole is the best yeah. thing ever one that was from you. And I have one that's a, um, it says OG original Gutenberg. Oh. Which I think is really funny because it's, like it's a typography joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, but Laura's wearing one that says, it looks like a tattoo, but what I realized is it says, read fast, die young, which is amazing. Yes. I got it from Powell. <laughs> and then I'm wearing a Ms. Marvel t-shirt. Oh. Which is like kind of my favorite t-shirt right now. So obviously, guys, we are cool. So if you, this, yeah, if you had any doubt about how cool we are, that's it's probably gonna put put you right over the edge. <laughs> I am so so I'm going to I'm so off on tangents. I think people think like this though when we just tell random stories. I've had some really good feedback I mean, on they the random keep stories. Right, I think. So I'm going to I'm on a panel at Book Expo America this year at the BloggerCon. And I'm really excited, but I'm so neurotic that everyone's gonna find out what a total nerd and like how uncool I am. Like even in the spectrum of book nerds, I'm not cool. I'm like, oh my god, everyone's gonna hate me because I'm so, I'm like completely neurotic about this. I'm sure this. you'll be fine. It's really nerve-wracking. I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like giving me this 
side eye. Like, I'm out of my mind. I'm completely obsessed with how I'm, I'm cool everyone's gonna think I am. I don't know. And everyone's like 20. And everyone's like 25, too. So Uh, they're, I guess. That's always a little annoying. It's like, oh, I'm uncool and old. Old. So we've established that we're uncool. And what else have we established? Excellent quote. I have lots of good t-shirts. You have really a great t-shirt collection. It's admirable. Mine is really subpar in comparison. I mean. I like t-shirts. Yeah. Fictional families, back on topic. Alright. Have we talked about Empire yet? <gasps> we have not. I think when you're about talking about Empire. family dynamics, then Empire is definitely a good oh my thing goodness. to talk about. I still haven't finished watching all of it. But oh, you haven't? You no. haven't seen the last episode? No, I definitely have not. I okay. still have like four episodes to go. Oh. Yeah. That show is interesting, isn't it? Well, it's based on a play called A Lion in Winter. I did not know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. It's ba- or it may- I don't know if it's a play or it's an old movie, but there's something. Yeah, I actually did research on Empire, you guys. You did research? <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, it's based on a play, and it's basically got the same premise where the head of the family is pits all his kids against each other, his three kids against each other, to see who he's going to pick as his that, heir. That show is riveting. Like, I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it's But really... they do some interesting stuff. Yeah, like, I agree. Like, to- I mean, like, Lucius is, like, freaking toxic. Like, he's yes. awful. Like, and it... He's awful, but he's, like, so charismatic. He's, yeah, and it's, like, he's, but I think a lot of people who are like that. Yes. To the rest of the world, there's this, like, people want to, like, be with them. Like, they yeah. want, like, it's, that show is smarter than it lets on, I think, in Yeah, a lot of ways. I think so, too. I mean, okay, it's ridiculous. Very. I mean, as we've said, like, seven times, it's so ridiculous. But it's also. And they have, like, this really funny string music that happens at every it's commercial so, break. Yes. And I, I'm not really sure why they do that. It's kind of like a throwback to old soap operas. I, I think, think that's exactly what it is. Uh, I can't think of what else it would be, but it's really funny because they have these things, this string music, because something's very suspenseful, but then they come back from the commercial break or they come back to the next episode and that thing at the end is not being addressed at all. They're like, no, um, they've like I moved think, on to a I new think, scene. I think Empire gives exactly no shits about continuity. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm really sure. And I think there's not, they don't even try to pretend that they give any shits about continuity. Yeah. I think they're just like, oh, yeah, well, we just dropped that. Who cares? They're like, oh, yeah, we totally, we, like. It's like, oh, yeah, that was. Yeah. We totally filmed and edited the music video in a day. It'll be yeah. ready tomorrow. Yeah, they're, they're just, they don't care. No yeah. continuity, no, they don't care. Like, I think it's sort of honest in a lot yeah. of ways. They're not like, I don't know, there's there's a nice sort yeah. of, I, but I, it's like, I, I, I think it's not great. Yeah, it's, I would say it's uneven, because uh, Taraji Un- Hansen yeah. is, I mean, she steals every scene. Yeah, and Terrence Howard is a very good actor, and I, I think it's really funny how, they're constantly finding ways to, to put, put them, them in the room because they're the only people who are good at acting. Yeah, but 
They really should be in the room together all the no, time. No, they like really, that. there's like those characters. It doesn't make be any together. sense. I, you know, and like, Jesse Smollett is adorable and he's a really good singer and he's not good at acting. No, unfortunately, he's, he's not. just, and it's so. They he hasn't really developed acting wise since his Mighty Ducks days. I know. And he's so adorable and he just, he seems like a nice guy. I don't know if he is, but he's got yeah. like, that kind of face that we're like, it's like he's got to be a nice guy with that yeah. baby face. And is and he can really sing, but yeah. and he can dance really well too. Yeah, he's just the acting man. They just have talked him. about his, uh, the guy who plays his brother Hakeem. <laughs> the fact that his character has a hot tub in his living room. <laughs> It's just like he just does. He just has a hot tub in his it living, is living room. room. And like, is that a thing? Like, you just people... like walk into the door of his condo and there's a do, hot tub. So like, really rich people in New York have a hot tub in their living room. Like, I, don't know. I guess because like people don't have balconies much. And then if you wanted a hot tub, you'd have to put it in your living room. I don't know, but you. But don't most people put like hot tubs in like I don't know master bathrooms or something? Like and that? it's not like a jacuzzi. Like it's not a bathtub. <laughs> it's a straight up big ass. Like multi-person hot tub-like apparatus. Yes, in his living room. It is just there, and it's like plumbing work. And no one, and it's like no one thinks this is weird. Like it's just there, (laughs) and he's like, isn't he supposed to be like eighteen? I think so. And it's like, I mean, I guess I guess might actually explain it because it is the kind of crazy thing only an eighteen-year-old would do. Yeah, but still, it's like, yeah. Dynamics on that show, I think, are they're so screwy. Yeah, just the way like you have... the one brother who's like the shame of the family because yeah. he's like got a mental health thing. And... Yeah, the dad, and then you have the gay son, and then you have like the mom who's been gone for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and like the and... mom is sort of like got this kind of weird role of being like she's sort of the mediator, but she's also kind of always like playing the angles too. Yeah, like it's a very like. It's, like, in a weird way, like, it's not that different than, like, the most, most families who are in, like, family-owned businesses. Yeah. Even though it's on, like, a big level. Yeah. It's, that stuff is pretty accurate. Yeah. But, yeah, I like, families are weird. And I don't know that you should just accept family just because they're blood. I'm not really in that camp. Um. Where I feel like a lot of people don't agree with me on that. I agree with you. But, (laughs) I mean, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, if you'd like, I could relate this to the Fast and the Furious. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure you could. (laughs) I don't know if we're ready for that, though. (laughs) Because in the Fast and the Furious movies, like, there's only two characters who are actually related. And that is Dom and his sister, Mia, who is, um, the, who ends up... Is that Jordana Brewster? Jordana Brewster, yeah. And, um, but, like, they're all these sort of misfits who become a family. Oh, And, like, they're, like, they're... But, like, seriously, like, the the family stuff in that, as they operate as, like, this weird family unit, is really compelling. Like, they love each other, and it's, but, like, they all kind of, 
they've made a family for themselves, and it's really touching. Yeah. And if you don't cry at the end of Furious 7, you have a heart made of stone. Oh. I'm just saying. That's Paul Walker's last one, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I can imagine that would be kind of sad. One of the, um... One of the things I've done recently is I watched all of the Fast and Furious movies in 10 days. A really short amount of time. Like, 10 days. Yeah. Like, I want to say it was more than a week. Um, But less than two. But less than two. And there was a fairly big gap between seeing, because I watched them out of order. I watched six, Tokyo Drift, which is the third movie, and then... I don't really think that one should count. Well, not to mention the guy who's the lead, and it's like Fast and Furious goes to high school. Oh. And the guy who's the lead is like 30, and he doesn't look like he's in high school. And then he's in Furious 7, oh. which is like, Still it's trying set to be in immediately high after Tokyo Drift. Oh. But he has aged nine years. <laughs> and then it's like this scene immediately after the events of Tokyo Drift. And it's like, they have so much makeup on him. And they have makeup on, like, his arm. <laughs> and, like, and they film it in this kind of soft lighting with this, like, light from Tokyo coming down. So it's, like, this kind of glare so you can't really. And it's still, like, he looks older than Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel is not a young man. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway. I totally lost the plot because I was too busy thinking about Fast and Furious. But, yeah, I watched, and then I watched one, and then I watched Too Fast, Too Furious, and then I watched The Fast and The Furious, which is the third movie chronologically, but was, like, the fourth movie to come out. Oh. It gets very confusing. This is very confusing. Isn't it right? And then I watched, no, no, I watched... I forgot. Did I say I watched six before I watched one? I think so. <laughs> okay, and then I watched five, which is probably, I don't know, I'm tossed up between five and seven as my favorites. Five, which is um, Fast Five, and then seven. So I watched them out of order. But anyway. Uh, you know, somehow I'm guessing that doesn't matter so much. No, I mean, I think you could actually kind of roll the dice and watch them in whatever order you wanted. Um, but I will say they do make more sense, like, six makes a whole lot more sense if you've seen five. Oh, okay. Because the things that happen in six happen immediately following five. Oh, okay. So don't, yeah, don't, you don't watch them, watch five before you watch six, is what I'm saying, if you want to be scientific about it, because, and it's also, like, you kind of get confused, like, why is The Rock angry? Oh. Like, there's some... The Rock always angry? Yeah, but they're, you know, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, and it's like, why did The Rock show up? Like, oh, they're just okay. like, he just shows up, and they're like, oh, hey, it's The Rock. I mean, that's not what his name is, but they're like, they're totally like, like, if The Rock just, like, showed up at my house, I'd be like, what the hell? And, like, they're all just like. What's cooking, dude? I know, literally. There's, like, literally, they're like, do you want barbecue? And it's like, no one, it's like, I'm like, this is a little confusing to me, but I didn't, like, think much of it, because I was just like, oh, well, they probably don't worry about context too much. But there was context, actually. Oh, so, But okay. they literally do. He literally, like, does inquire about barbecue. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, and The Rock, well, do you know, that's, like, one of his catchphrases from the WWE. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because he's a... Oh. So, uh, you w- know what? No, like, one of his big catchphrases is... I didn't is, know that. Um, Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Yes, I learned that because Josh told me that. <laughs> I didn't know that because, like, the whole time I'm, we're watching the ones, because Josh got sucked in, too... 
we're watching the ones with the rock, and he kept looking at me and he's like, being like, can you smell what the rock is cooking? And I'm like, why do you keep saying that? Like, we were like a movie and a half in, and I was so confused. And he's like, that's like his saying. I was like, I don't know that much about the rock. And then Josh was like, well, you know The Rock you makes... You haven't spent your time watching his WWE No, videos. and he's like, you know, the, the Rock makes every movie he's in better. And he had this whole theory about why The Rock... And it's like, I had no idea that Josh... I had no idea that Josh had such strong feelings about The Rock. He really likes The Rock. I mean, we've been married like 10 years. I never knew this. It's amazing how you can still learn these things about people that you're... That you live with. Yeah! It's weird. I feel like this happens... To my husband. And yeah, I, and you're like, wow, basis. I didn't know that. Because the thing with The Rock, like, I didn't realize Josh had ever thought about The Rock. Like, I, he's not really great with pop culture, so, like, I wasn't, I mean, I assume everyone knows who The Rock is, right? But, I, I think most people do. That would yeah. be weird. I guess we could do a poll on the website. Yes, you totally should. Do you know who The Rock is? Can you smell what he's cooking? <laughs> Can you smell what he's cooking? <laughs> I was going to make a whole nuanced argument about how the Fast and the Furious and family and all this stuff, but really I just wanted to talk about the Fast and the Furious because I'm obsessed with those movies well, now. Well, I think that is interesting how the you can make your own family, but I think, and a lot of YA books that would be frowned upon. I think it would be. But I really like how Lisa Schroeder does it in she, Falling for You. She really does. I love that about that um, book. Because the mother in that book is extremely toxic. She's a disaster. And, you know, quite frankly, like, that girl is better off without her mother. I mean, I know that's not a very nice thing to no, say. No, she is. But I think that is definitely true. And, you know, I really like how Ray, Ray is the main character yeah. in that book. I really like how Ray kind of built her own family. Yeah, she, like, it's where she, like, really has the strength in sort of developing her own network and her own sort of people she yeah. can Lisa does that really well in a lot of her books, too, because yeah. in her new, her book that's coming out in um, July, All We Have Is Now, um, that I just recently finished reading, it has, um... The kids in that family are homeless. Mm-hmm. In that family, in that book, are homeless, and they don't have families, and um, for different reasons um, that I'm not going to spoil because I really like that book, so I'm not going to spoil it for yeah. you. Because <laughs> apparently, that's my litmus test here for spoilage. Um, and but they found each other and sort of built this their own family, and yeah. they're sort of you know. The very tough world, and uh, you know, it also makes me think a little bit of Station Eleven too. There was some interesting stuff with that. Like, oh uh, yeah, Station. I agree. That book is really good. That book, that's actually, I don't reread a lot, but I actually think I'd like to reread that book or maybe listen to it. Mm-hmm. No, I really um, recommend it on audio because yeah. there was a lot in that book. Like, because I was spent a lot of time when I was reading it trying to just sort of figure it out. You know, and how everything, because it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, even though it's a really short book. Yeah. There's just a lot. And so I think I'd like to listen to it and sort of just hear the story, because there's some interesting things that she does as well in that book with um, the way people are intertwined and the 
trooper performers. Yeah. And the way they had to create their own uh, world. You know what other... Actually, Maggie Stiefvater does... Maggie's great. Yeah, she I wanted some... to talk about that, and I thought in the shiver... Tro- We're both yeah, pointing, pointing at, at yeah, <laughs> my bookshelf. Book um, yeah. yeah, I have... Weirdly, that's the only book I have of the Shiver Trilogy, which is kind of weird. Um, but that's... The Shiver Trilogy is very interesting. In what yeah, how you do that, and then also just with... Um, can't even remember the main character's name in that. Sam and Grace. Sam, Grace, that's yeah. it. But Grace and her parents. Yeah. I thought her relationship with her parents was very realistic. Like. Yeah. And especially in the second book when she yeah. draws a line in the sand with them. Yeah. And I, that's what she needs to do. And it's interesting if you read reviews of that book. And I really try not to criticize, like, the way other people read books. Because I think that's unfair. Yeah. I mean, because really, like, all you, you know... People read books for different reasons, and I don't think it's fair to say, like, you know, you read a book wrong, you should have understood that the author was trying to do this, or, because you have different reasons, and, but it's interesting to me that a lot of reviewers have a lot of issues with the way Grace, um, she rejects her parents' wishes pretty strongly. Yeah. And but I, she has good reasons to. But she has very good reasons to, and they're not really respecting her as an autonomous human being. Yeah. Who has like things she wants and valid reasons for feeling certain ways. They're very myopic in their view. They're not letting her grow up in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um I thought that that was a very realistic Yeah. As Grace needed to sort of grow up and be her own person. Yeah. Both sort of in her relationship with Sam, but also just as, like, a human being. Yeah. She needed to push back against them. And it's interesting, because that's been a sticking point for a lot of reasons. And actually, it's one of those that has um, had some, it's had some fun, um, you know, what do they, what do they call it? Objections? What do the libraries call it? When Challenge! Oh! It's had some challenges, okay. because it's, like, anti-family. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think it did this year, but I remember seeing it on the list a couple years back. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely, there is definitely a bias towards genetics. Yes. I think that's really weird. Because like I said, I don't think it's a lot of these behaviors, a lot of these toxic behaviors, like if somebody that you were dating kept doing these shitty things to you over and over and over and over again over the course of many years. Like, everybody everybody you know would be like, break up with that jerk. Yeah, they would be like, don't tolerate that. Don't tolerate somebody, like, treating you this way all the time. Why are you putting up with this? But if they were to find out that it was your your brother or your mother or your in-law. They'd be like, oh, work it out. Yeah, you need to find a way to deal with it. They're not going to change. Be miserable and figure it out. No, but I think it's true. Like, there's there's so much. I mean, like, having, you know, a close family member who's an absolute asshole. Like, the behaviors that, yeah. like, you know, I was expected to tolerate from that particular family member or it would be unacceptable. Just from, from a friend. From, like, a friend or, a friend or anyone. Or a romantic partner or anybody, yeah. you know. And, and I just don't. But for some reason, we're just, it's ingrained in us to think that we need to tolerate this because we're, we're related. 
Yeah, and I guess it's also, it's hard to, you know, say no when people are like that. I think because just, like, so socially people don't support you saying, like, hey, that's not mm-hmm. acceptable. Like, you're not going to, you know, most of the time people will sort of, like, side-eye you or what yeah. have you. And you were saying that really interesting thing before we started recording about how therapists even... Oh, yeah. That was so interesting. A really interesting um, article that I came across in the New York Times from 2009, and it's called When Parents Are Too Toxic to Tolerate, and it basically is about how a lot of therapists have a bias towards telling their patients to work things out with their families, even if it's not really in the best interest of their patients' mental health. And so it's just, this so is just something that is just ingrained in people that you need to work it out with your family. You know, um, and, but what I really like is that forum that I came across. Um, there's a forum on a site called babycenter.com. It's like a parenting forum. Um, but this forum is mainly, it's called dealing with in-law nation. And it, but it's not really just about in-laws. It's just about like That's any great. kind of like I don't want to go to in-law nation. That no, but terrifying. it's about like any. It's about like you can go with a question about any kind of relationship issue that you are having. They don't really deal so much with romantic relationships directly, but, but like, like sort of sticky family just things stuff. with like brothers, sisters, in-laws, things like this. Um, because there's just a lot of toxic, difficult things that you have happen, and a lot of times people will make it seem like it's you. You are the one who has the problem. This isn't really a problem. You're just being difficult. You're, you need to get over it. And people get told this, but I mean, basically people get told over and over again that their feelings are not valid, which is a really unfair thing to say. And these people, like on this forum, like these women are so honest. And like sometimes, sometimes you are kind of being the asshole, and they will right. tell you that. But, like, more often from what I'm seeing on these threads is that, like, I mean, just these other people are really being... really freaking common to yeah, have someone be... Yeah, it's really common to have a toxic family member that you should not have to tolerate. Like, you should... You do not have to be nice no. and tolerate this from somebody, or you don't have to put up with somebody not respecting you just because they're a family member, you know, and it, it's really, I don't know, I find this, I find it empowering in some ways well, to something, read some of these things and to see that, like, something really to see how some of these in. people, like, go through it and how they learn how to stand up for themselves, it's really empowering. There's something really nice and like having your feelings validated yeah like i don't think i've met people who like didn't have relationships with one of their parents like like until very recently in my life yeah like that was like people looking like i was like a freak because i yeah. have a relationship with one of my parents and it's yeah like, and they make you and without and knowing like, anything defective. about it they make you feel like shit about it and they yeah. make you like i don't know when they, I mean, and honestly, the and it just go keeps going with that bias towards making things work. The amount work of with sort families, of you know, headaches that like not dealing with one of your parents causes. Like it's like obviously, if you're going if you're going in that direction, like it's because there's a lot of issues, not just because yeah. like, you're a jerk. Like yeah. it's just a lot of work. 
<laughs> to not, I mean, I'm not saying this well, but yeah. the drama that results, I mean, I don't think people just sort of do that offhandedly. Yeah. Um, they decide, it, it, yeah, it's not an easy decision. No. It's like, it's, divorce is not an easy decision, no. right? You know, people aren't just like, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think maybe 0.0001% of people are just like, oh, I'm, they don't take marriage seriously and they just decide to get Yeah, they're like serial But barriers. I think for the most part, it's something, you know, there's a lot of long-term issues and then there's short-term things that happen, you know, kind of, it's almost like when a war starts, there's a lot of long-term causes of it, but then there's like immediate things that really get things going, you know, and I think it's like that with divorce and it's not something that you take lightly, you know, and I don't understand why in the case of if somebody is just like, okay, I really need to cut this toxic family member yeah. out of my life. Why everybody else looks at you like you are crazy and you are, that you must be spoiled or you're just taking this decision really like that. You, you yeah. thought it would be fun to just do this. Yeah, because that seems like a lot of fun. Because it's super fun to go through that. <laughs> well, and I know? just think, yeah, and I think it's just so, I mean, circling back to what we were talking about earlier it's just so problematic especially in these books for young people that are mm -hmm. are really invalidating those feelings when i think there yeah. have to be a lot of people who are 16 years old and they're like i don't think i can do this you know yeah and that's you know that's and then all the adults but sometimes are, the adults are not right they're and not, they're not right even if it's not right the teenager is being an annoying rebellious difficult teenager but sometimes I think just sometimes wrong. the adult is wrong too like I thought I really like how in Golden by Jesse Kirby did you read that yes. one so the way the mom and the dot the way the mom had all of these really heavy and strong her ambitions ambitions for her daughter that really just had no relationship to what the daughter overbearing wanted. and really just yeah and just really undermine the daughter and any of her autonomy you know mm -hmm. and so i thought that's i'd forgotten about that book that's a really good point yeah and you know i mean it's, it's definitely not a perfect book because yeah, it's it's plot wise not. there are some there's things some plot shenanigans. Uh, Trademark Laura. That's <laughs> not a plausible. Pretty interesting thing to have happened. I mean, I I mean, yeah. And for this teenage girl to have there's figured a very out large thirty years. There's a very large I mean. logical <laughs> leap. I would say <laughs> not insignificant logical yes. leap. That happened. But I will say that I really liked how she did how the mom and the daughter have that relationship and I I really like how she did end up resolving it at the end where it doesn't even really end up resolved. She actually does have some nice um in Moonglass there's an interesting relationship with the father and the daughter. Yeah. It has to sort of cuz they don't really like it has to sort of grow. Yeah. And that's my favorite of her books, is Green Glass. Yeah. But she's actually does parents fairly well yeah. in her books. Well, um, and I like the fact that she didn't invalidate how, I can't even remember the character name, either. but, like, I really like how she didn't in, invalidate she, like, her feelings her, like, about a, it. Like a Frost. 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 Yeah. 
Frost Parker or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. One of those exactly. books one of those names that only occurs in YA novels. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like seriously, like the there's so many weird names in YA novels. Yeah. I mean Sarah Dustin's kind of the queen of that too. I yeah. Mean, Odin. Oh, but and, I really like how yeah. Sarah Dustin in um God, what was that? That one that that one Sarah Dustin book that I really, really like and now I can't remember the title. The Moon and More? Yeah. Yeah. That one, I really like how she dealt with what the main character has I to deal with with the name. two parents. Because she has the dad that... Yeah, she has the step-parent. The, that the that she considers the, her dad. Yeah. Her real dad. Yeah, and then she has her, like, biological dad who's kind of... Kind of an dipshit. asshole. Dipshit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it's weird because he's, like, kind of an asshole, but he's also, like, really clueless, too. Yeah. It's, like, that awful combination of, like wholly unaware and, like, really, like, inconsiderate. Yeah. And just kind of a dipshit. But, like I said, I mean, that's not something, like, if somebody else were doing that, just a friend were treating you the way that he was treating his daughter, you would be like, you shouldn't put up with that from this person. You don't have to be friends with this person anymore. You know what I mean? But but she... It's just weird how this genetic thing makes people think that it, is. it should it's, be tolerated. It's so interesting because I'm looking at the shelf in my office here is almost all YA books. Um, and I'm just looking through them and it's sort of hard to find any that jump out as like really well handled sort of familial relationship. I mean, a lot of them yeah. don't address them at all. Yeah. Um, but there are... You know, Sarah Oakler's is really well done. Yeah. You know. I um, think in Bittersweet, she does a good job with, you know, because of dealing with kind of the divorce thing. And, yeah. Um, I think Hudson in that book is very resentful of her mother. And I think rightfully so, because the things that her mother expects from her in a lot of ways are not I, fair. Yeah, I think her emotions are highly valid yeah. in that in that novel. Um. I mean, the stuff in, like, I mean, I enjoyed Since You've Been Gone, which is on my shelf, um, but the stuff with the family in there was pretty whack. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, like, looking at these, and it's, like, really tough to find some. I mean, there's two I haven't read yet, but it's really, Cinnamon Rain, which is um, an Aussie book, and it's, I can't remember what it was called in the U.S. I don't remember. Emma Cameron's. I cannot remember what it was called in the U.S. Anyway. It's by oh, Emma Cameron. Out of this place. Yeah. Really, one of the characters has a very, 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 very bad relationship with his father, and he severs that relationship. Yeah. And I think is very understandable, but, um, and there's some interesting stuff in Love and Leftovers, but, you know, verse novels are, like, they're ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, I hate, like, that sounds really snotty, but they yeah, often tend to sort of push the limits a little bit more. I think yeah. because people... They trick people into thinking they're like they're literary. So yeah, they, they can get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I but, mean they are literary a lot yeah. of them. But I mean I'm just saying like I think sometimes the form distracts people yeah. who, you know, they can push limits a little bit more than. Yeah, I mean I'm not saying that I think it's bad necessarily that books show positive family no, relationships like, or, some great or show family. conflicts being resolved. But I definitely feel like I'd like to see more of the authentic complicated families. I think family relationships are very sticky. I'm demonstrating sticky. Sticky, you are. You're doing a good job. Um, Because and I don't really see that enough. I feel like 
in books, oftentimes they're just a point of conflict or a point they of growth exist to for the be character. conflict or growth, yeah. but not to serve the story. Yeah, and the characters, and it's. And I'd like to see a little more authentic stickiness in the relationships because families are they're difficult to deal with, and like, they're they're interesting too. You but know, they're, like I I love my siblings, but there are things that I don't like about my siblings. You know what I mean? And it, 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 somebody like my brother, I love my brother, but he's not somebody that I would be friends with in real life. Like you wouldn't be hanging out with him all the yeah, time. Yeah, like right? I don't think he's somebody that I would, we, if we weren't related and we met at a party, we're not two people where we'd be like, you wouldn't immediately Yo, click like, and, like, yeah, want to hang out. Like, let's go hang out and do stuff together and drink beer or whatever, you know, <laughs> that he's not. I, there's so much in this scenario, though, that I can't imagine you being in, like, at a party and, like, walking up and being like, yo, yo, let's yeah. go drink beer. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, there's so much I kind of can't get, it's, like, it's really hard for me it's to It's hypothetical, <laughs> Sarah. But it's so, uh, like, I'm like, there's just so much and it's not working for me in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> if we weren't related to each other and it's really and and I think in some ways that's one of the nice things about family is that you you can have a good relationship yeah yeah, I mean you can have a really good relationship with somebody that is very different from you and you can love them and it's you know it's it's really weird. Sibling relationships are very weird in particular. They seem I bizarre. I will tell you, like, pretty much I'm, whenever I, so, like, I used to watch Parenthood, that show just Yeah, I kind of stopped watching that a couple and seasons ago, but, you know, I, would, I find that show very problematic the I way that. watch that show and, like, be like, I'm so glad I don't have siblings. And yeah. I don't think that's the message I'm supposed to convey. I almost think it's, like, problematic the way they portray this, like, the way their family is as, like, such a positive thing. I mean, I, I honestly find that their codependency... It's really unhealthy. Unhealthy, And it's, like, yeah. never spoken throughout the series. Yeah. Ever. And it's just, like, I kept waiting for, like, someone to, like, move away or something. Yeah, or just, like, or... the fact that, like... And it's not just, like, because you have the... What, the four siblings? Mm-hmm. There's four the of them. four siblings. The way, like, the in-laws all get dragged into that yeah, all the time. It's like so weird. The way they... And the siblings. I mean, and technically they're family, but the way the in-laws are all like obligated to this big clan, and, and the way the sibling relationships like sort of trump every other relationship. Yeah, like like I didn't care for Christina ever as a character. Like I just found her too perfect and too long suffering and too yeah. just everything about her just like it was just such a weird like sort of archetype of the perfect mother that really bothered me. Um... But one of the things that really sucked in that sort of repeatedly, Adam wouldn't listen to what Christina wanted and would listen to what his siblings wanted. Yeah. And, like, value what they said more than his wife. Yeah. Like, it was so crappy. And, like, it just, even... I thought he was a bad husband. He's a terrible husband. A terrible husband. It's like, I mean, all the part of the problem is, I think, because he and Lauren Graham were dating, so they had such great chemistry and, you know, but... Yeah. 
But, I mean, I really don't, I think when you're an adult and you're married to somebody else and you have children with this person, then that is the most important relationship. Not what your brother Crosby wants. And I'm not saying that your siblings shouldn't be important to you, but they shouldn't be. But they're not living in your life every day. They shouldn't be more important than the person that you live with, especially when you're, these people are depending on you. Like, for a while, in the earlier seasons, Christina was a housewife, and that was a decision that they made for their family, and then to have Adam making poor financial decisions. Really bad financial decisions. When he has all these other people depending on them, you know what I mean? He, yeah, he for really, a decision that like they make this decision together that he's going to support them and they're going to depend on him financially. Like, and then he just, he's like, oh, I'm going to go like, do this thing with my brother that's really financially risky. risky. And I, yeah, and it, <laughs> I mean, I mean? It, being that show, like everything always works out for everyone in the yeah, end. Yeah, and that is incredible. I mean, which ridiculous. is like really, pro- it's so interesting because that show it's like a, a lot of the same writers um, as did Friday Night Lights. But you can really see, like, yeah. the lack of involvement of Peter Berg really pushed Friday Night Lights to, like, be, yeah, like, to sort of take harder paths in yeah. the story. And because he was so involved in, like, the big picture stuff on that yeah. show. And, like, Jason Kadams has that role or had that role in Parenthood. And, like, God, this is, I'm such a nerd. And, but, like, you... And, like, Jason Kadams, like, wrote a lot of the sappiest episodes of Friday Night Lights. Yeah. And, like, you can just really see, like, the not having that guiding hand that, like, yeah. pushed the story to, like, harder directions. Even though it's a lot of the same people, like, where they sort of diverge. Yeah. Even though they generally have, like, pretty quality writing and acting, like, just didn't, the storytelling didn't, wasn't as tough, I guess. Yeah. But Peter Berg, he did a documentary a while back is about uh, kids, like, uh, kids who are athletic. Oh, I have that on my um I can't remember queue. what it's called. I can't remember what it's called either. But, like, and they, on the parents and their parents, and it's, that show, that episode, or I don't even know if it's, like, a series it's that part he of that, did. I think it's part of that documentary series on HBO yeah. about sports. It's about sports, but it has to do, it's kind of, you know, it's, like, state the stage moms, but they're yeah. sports parents instead. And the, really, these parents are, some of these parents are toxic, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't realize how they are, like, emotionally and mentally damaging their children and pushing them away. I need to watch that. With these expectations, these athletic expectations, over something that's supposed to be a game and that's supposed to be fun. And, yeah, they're supposed to teach valuable lessons about, like, teamwork and discipline and stuff, too. And, you know, I think sports are really good for that. But, like, these parents take it so far with expecting their kids to be the best and expecting their children to win and it's really, I mean, it's really crazy to watch. And these, you know, and these kids don't have a choice in the matter, really, because this is, you know, especially when these kids are young, they don't really, like, what, you can't just up and leave your parents no, when you're you 11 years old, you know. Um, one of the kids ends up, his parents are divorced, shockingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he uh, he does end up leaving this situation with this ex- from his 
extremely toxic dad and going to live with his mother and because, you know, he's just being emotionally battered and damaged by this person every day over football. Yeah. High school football. You I know mean, what like, I mean? Like I mean and these poor kids I mean and you just expect it like you have when you're a kid you have to deal with this. And some kids don't have the option of going to a different parent or a better parent. They're just you know, maybe the other parent's not any better, you know what I mean? And I would really like to see more YA books that reflect this reality that some kids have to deal with, where, like, some They're, thing, like, living these in a things are, cooker and dreading. Some of these things are not resolvable. They're yeah. just not. Like, you know, these kids are going to leave home, I would love go to, to college, read, and they're not going to be resolved. I would, and I'm sure one exists, but I would love to read a really great YA book about, like, a kid who's decided to become an emancipated minor and is trying to, like, live on their own. Like, I think that would, that be, would cool. be a great book. I mean, I think, I feel like the closest thing that I've read is Sasha Rush. Yeah, and that's more like, Jennifer it, yeah. yeah. She's really good. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean that was a really toxic like where like a kid has had to make that decision. Like I, there's something so bad that I cannot live in this situation. Yeah, and like that's got it. I mean I can't. I mean kids do that. Like, yeah, that's, I mean that's such a brave thing to do too. Yeah, is to like, you know, go to the court system. Yeah, and try to become independent. Like that's a bad situation. Yeah, to go in that direction in your life. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like people accept that kind of thing more if it's you know like I was saying if there's abuse or if if you're gay and your parents won't right. accept you which is a terrible thing right. and I'm not trying to minimize that at all but there's a lot of there's a lot more toxic relationships that I just don't mm-hmm. I, I would love to but see more been, of a range yeah I mean there's been real you know, stories of like young people who are like performers or um, you know really high, like gymnasts yeah and, musicians who have had to um, like that girl who's in Modern Family uh-huh. had to um, become an emancipated minor because her parents were so just toxic, horrible. They were also stealing yeah, their money. Yeah, like they all steal their money. Yeah, you know? and it was like, just like, like kids uh, are doing all this work and their parents and they were like, are really, like taking and they all had their control. money. It was all, the story was horrible. It was just, there was a feature about her in Entertainment Weekly and it was just, the story was just this poor girl yeah. And she went through this. She was, like, 14. And, like, she had, like, she went through, like, two years of just, like, this hell with her family. Yeah. Um, before she was able to leave. And it was just really awful. Yeah. Um, so, I would personally like to see, like, a wider range of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, or just seeing kids having to deal with family situations that are toxic. Not necessarily abusive, but toxic. And things that, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, that not, aren't necessarily going to be resolved. You know, by the kid growing up and reaching this understanding of what it means to be an adult. Like, maybe the understanding they reach is that they don't in any way want to be like that kind of adult and don't want to be around any kind of adult like that, you know? And maybe these books do exist and we don't know because amazingly we haven't read all the books. That is true. And if you happen to know them. We have not read all the books. (laughs) If you happen to know them. You know, obviously, let us know. Yeah. Um, so if you guys give know us suggestions anything, for other ones to look yeah. at, and we're you know, but I think there is a gap. I mean, I'm just staring at my bookshelf still, and I'm like, wow, there's a big gap. Anyway, it's a little late at this point, so we should probably yes. wrap up. I know, crazy town. Um, 
But anyway, I apologize for not being super articulate for our first podcast. Uh, you know, I'm not either. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. Um, anyway, and so if you are interested in hearing us talk about more stuff, leave us um, some comments and let us know what you're interested in hearing us talk about. We may yeah, not listen to you because we're brass that ideas, way. But, you know, and, we're always um, looking for more. Yeah, we're always looking for more. So... Um, hopefully we won't, it won't be so long this time in between episodes. So, all right. I'm waving at Bye the microphone. Guys. Thanks for Bye. listening. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Until next time, clear eyes, full shelves, can't lose.